As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Ruckers, here we are again on a Monday morning, still basking in the glow of that Champions Cup final. La Rochelle are the champions once again for Leinster. They're now familiar with a word that starts with a C and rhymes with yoke. But no egg on the face for our hitmen today though. Stephen Jones, Sunday Times rugby correspondent is here, as is Stuart Barnes. And as a starter for 10 gents, Steve and Stuart, I think you've probably been to every European final. Steve, best you've ever seen. Stuart, you can go after him. Yes, it was. I, I, I always think that when you see a great game, Will, the most recent is always becomes the best you've ever seen. But th- this was just something else. It was supercharged as a backdrop with a Munsterman, you know, trying to do over Leinster. No love lost there. But it was a magnificent game. You thought, blimey, you know, this is going to be embarrassing now towards La Rochelle. Then you said, my God, it's going to be embarrassing towards Leinster. It had everything, Will. It had everything. Stuart, the, the other one that comes up when you ask people about best ever finals, Stade Francais, Leicester, where, where did that one on Saturday rank for you? Uh, inf- infinitely higher, infinitely higher. Um, you think of Was Toulouse and you think of Stade Francais, Leicester, and if you've got Bath in your blood, you can remember far enough back, you remember when they beat Breve in Bordeaux. <laughs> but th- this game was different. Uh, for one reason, throughout the first quarter of a century of professional rugby, the non-international game has failed to get anywhere near the international game in terms of uh, quality, in terms of atmosphere, in terms of excitement. Saturday in Dublin, you had effectively the Ireland team with a different coaching panel, but you had the tribalism of, of supporting your one team, and if you want to use the word tribalism, you had everything that La Rochelle brought and a team. Not of, I've read some stuff about their team of Galacticos. It's lazy journalism because they haven't got, you know, they're not going to sign all the world's best players, but they've got players from all over. Now, Ronan O'Gara has conjured a great club team. And that occasion was right up there with Ireland versus France this year in the Six Nations as the best rugby event. So this was the day when, I can't say club because it's provincial as well, but, you know, the champions are club, so let's stick with that. This was the day when when the club game proved it could be just as exhilarating, just as exciting, and just as, uh, as, just as intriguing 
for people like sponsors and television companies. It was, it was a great day for rugby. Yeah, I uh, suppose... Will, I'll just say this. Uh, Stuart, I, I, do, I do think the, very, the, the sad thing is about the Heineken Cup is there was a time not that long ago when Toulouse Wasps were, were, were at their greatest and possibly Munster, who were never a great side, but a great competitive side. Um, there was a time when uh, people were saying, look, I've just watched Wales, Italy, or I've just watched England, Scotland, and I'm not going to go. I'm going to follow my club from now on. There was a time, but that receded. That receded, as you say. And uh, you, you, a visitor from Mars would have had no idea that wasn't the top two international rugby teams in the world playing on in Dublin on uh, on Saturday. It was one of those, wasn't it, Steve and Stuart? And um, we'll get onto it in more detail in a sec. That I feel like this weekend or this week or so is going to perfectly sum up the mad, horrible and glorious season that we've had where all the news that we've been writing about has largely been negative but we've had some of all-time great fixtures that have happened. Ireland-France was amazing in the Six Nations. This final was amazing. Let's hope we get an amazing Sale Saracens Prem final as well but everything we've been talking about off the pitch has been awful and horrible, hasn't it? So we'll probably have to deal with both elements of that today on the pod because we're going to look back on the Champions Cup final as, as we said, La Rochelle beat Leinster in an absolute classic. We'll also touch on the Challenge Cup as Toulon easily defeated Glasgow and turn our attention to the Premiership final. Saracens and Sale facing off this weekend. And joining us will be the Sale Sharks wing from 2006 when Sale last won the title, Mark Cueto. Plus, we'll name our god or goddess of the week and try and sneak in a chat with Adam Radwan too, playing for the Barbarians against the World 15 on Sunday. But first, why don't we get into all the Champions Cup action? Right, lads. So loads, loads, loads on the pod today. But first, you both had a bit of a mare trying to get back from Ireland, did you? Have you you landed safely back home? Was that a bit of a, a, a triumph to make it? Was it as bad as Marseille last year, Steve? I, I, I don't... I, oh, it was much worse than that. I have to say <laughs> that... Um, uh, we weren't in, in into bed at our earliest because I just think we, you know, we were with colleagues, and on Saturday night, all he wanted to do is have a quiet beer and just go through everything we've seen, which was very pleasurable. But D- Dublin Airport is almost ceased to exist as something where you can get through it and come out the other end. I have never seen a zoo like it. I've never seen disorganisation like it, and. I think whenever when we took off, the whole plane cheered that we finally <laughs> escaped. So next time they have the uh, next time they have the um, well, this campaign that Dublin must never get the Heineken Cup uh, uh, again. And actually, unless they improve the airport, it must never stage a Six Nations game ever again. Steve, you can't slag it off <laughs> for next season though, because it's going to be at Spurs. So it's going to be the greatest uh, yeah. final ever seen, isn't it, at Spurs? One of the great things about going to Spurs is, you, you, first of all, you become immune to the home team. But secondly, you don't have to, unless you're from Dublin, have to go there through Dublin Airport. <laughs> so um, I'm looking forward to Spurs. I will be prepared to negotiate the traditional 10-mile traffic jam to get there, but uh, as long as you don't have to go through Dublin. Sorry, if Steve had got out of bed early, we wouldn't have this problem. The, I, was, I was on a flight just only just after you. Wow, about an hour later, Steve. It's it's a it's a major difference getting out of your hotel before six o'clock and afterwards. It's psychological <laughs> and it shows the measure of a man who's prepared to eat and drink till midnight and then get on the plane. Um, uh, it was a measure of a man who's uh, the, the who's lives in the royal borough of Windsor and uh, Maidenhead <laughs> and would not be out in the sticks with with, with you and Mrs. Barnes. Well, uh, talking of early starts. 
that that segues horribly into the start that Lens to get it doesn't really work does it but anyway we're going to do it the, that okay, first 10 minutes that first 10 minutes Stuart you've watched pretty much all of the European Cup rugby that's ever happened as has Steve that's got to be up there with some of the most glorious rugby we've seen isn't it even though they lost in the end that opening salvo was unbelievable from Leinster wasn't it there are times where when I feel like I've watched just about all the rugby that there has <laughs> ever been and that I hate to say it sometimes is a negativity of oh my god another game another another 80 minutes of this dross I turned to Peter O'Reilly our Irish colleague after 15 minutes uh, when it was 17-0 and I said I think I've never seen a more accurate and intense quarter an hour of rugby at any level. They might not have had the the great New Zealand teams offloading and attacking games, but I've never seen defence so powerful, so accurate, so game-changing. All of that came after a, a quite brilliantly created first try where they'd worked out exactly how to take La Rochelle on. It was, it was off the scale in terms of its quality. And that's what makes it such a great final because, you know, after the game, Gregory Aldridge was saying, well, we were serene when we got back at halftime. And he said, and O'Gara had said, he said, I told them they'd come hard. He said, first try was a bit of a shock. 12-0 after six minutes. I didn't really see that. 17-0 after 11 I was concerned, but the, the La Rochelle players just held their nerve and, and just played their way back into it. And, you know, and, and I would say La Rochelle deserved to win, but that first 15 minutes was the highest standard of rugby I have seen in a long, long time. It was incredible. And so whilst it does raise a few doubts about the core of the Irish team losing to a French club team at home, You've got to remember that this was something quite spectacular and a huge congratulations to La Rochelle for withstanding a majestic 20 minutes from Leinster. Yeah. Well, can I just ask uh, uh, Stuart or yourself, Leinster clearly decided what they had to do. They were up against a massive team who were not the quickest. Leinster knew they had to play really, really rapidly, rip into it, be accurate, fast, take their chances, all of which they did. Do you think, lads, that actually, when it came down to it, they didn't know what they were doing apart from that? That worked brilliantly, but they had no answer when the the other style of play on view, and how brilliant to have two styles, when the La Rochelle style was imposed upon them, they had no more success in dealing with it than La Rochelle had had with the Leinster style in the early moments. And I just wonder whether they spent so much time planning a blistering opening passage, they didn't do enough time on what was the inevitable revival of La Rochelle. I suppose, sorry, the devil's advocate point to that, I suppose, is if Ross Byrne had hit the two conversions he missed right at the start, that probably would have been a completely unassailable lead. Like 17 no, was the biggest no, double margin ever overturned in a Champions Cup final. And not that, that could have been 20-odd. No, it, you, those ifs about conversions are, are a nonsense. The fact that La Rochelle played with such composure, had they been 21-0 down, that ain't such a big difference to 17-0. And they were able to come back through that. You can't You can't watch a game of rugby and say ifs. You know, he hit the post twice. They were good kicks. It's unlucky, but they didn't go over. The, the hypothetical world of rugby makes no sense and is not true. 
It's just not true at all. I, I, I also think that um, there's going to be a fascinating, fascinating few months now because Eddie Jones, who never picks the people who were lauded in the media, hmm. now has to p apply that same principle to Will Skelton, who has become now level with the great locks I've seen, Martin Johnson, Simon Shaw, he is right up there. And Skelton, for Skelton to do the whole game at the rate he played, and don't forget he took a lot of ball at first receiver, was probably the greatest display I've ever seen from an individual forward in any match. So, Eddie, are you going to ignore the media and ignore the public opinion now and leave out Skelton? Because if you are, you'll be a bigger idiot than we thought you were. <laughs> he was extraordinary. <laughs> he's, so he's now won four European Cups. Couple with Saris, couple with La Rochelle, which basically, if you want to win the tournament, you've got to sign him. And that'd be it'd be mad to leave him out, wouldn't it, Stuart? If you're the Wallabies coach, you've got to have a massive lock in there. And he's now sort of his reputation is preceding him, isn't it? Don't care about his reputation, and nor does Eddie Jones care about his quality. And he's probably the most effective lock forward in the world at the moment. He is the most effective lock forward in the world at the moment. Therefore, he has to pick him. But Eddie Jones, uh, if we want to seg. Back to the subject of coaching, from Eddie Jones to Stuart Lancaster. Last year, Leinster were the best team in Europe and O'Gara rocked them with a tactical plan that confused them and they never got their way back. This time, Leinster did the rocking, but O'Gara's team were able to overcome it. Now, there's two things here. I think Steve is absolutely right. They came out almost as if, if it was a horse race, the trainer said, uh, they're going to be coming back at the end, so we've got to go so fast. We're 20 lengths clear coming around the home bend. And only daft trainers do that because your horse will run out of steam. And I think they put so much into, into creating clear water that they did, I wouldn't say run out of steam, but their ability to, to be as precise and, and to be as powerful in the second half, it did drain away because the last 10 minutes when they were trying to get back, that's desperation, and desperation is a different thing. So I feel the game plan didn't work, and that takes me to the other issue, which is Stuart Lancaster is a brilliant developer of players. He puts together uh, superb teams when everything works. And I've been hearing for years that, oh, God, what did England do getting rid of Stuart Lancaster? But Stuart's weakness seems to remain the same, which is when you take him on and the game plan fails... There's nothing left. And it comes through the players, but that that's that's a coach saying, this is how we play. And I felt that last year, Ogara exposed him. And I feel that this, this year, there's something of the same. So I think uh, it, it is a triumph for Ronan Ogara over uh, Stuart Lancaster. And, and a reminder that developing is very important and Stuart's brilliant at that. Um, but at the very highest level... You've got to understand how you just tweak a game and change a plan. And Leinster, in the last two years, have shown themselves to be probably the best team in Europe in terms of let them play and watch them go. But in terms of somebody putting a spoke in the engine, they remind me of Stuart Lancaster's England. And you're going, what next? Which, which, you know, And that goes back to the whole Eddie Jones thing about listen to me, this is my game plan, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. When it works, when you pack a dominant, great. 
when it doesn't work, it leaves you exposed. It leaves the coach exposed. And, and that's why I still have question marks about Lancaster for all the brilliant things he has undoubtedly done for Leinster. So, Steve, on that point, um, Lancaster's now moving on to Racing 92 and they're bringing in Jack Nienaber, as we said on the pod last mm. week, the little-known Jack Nienaber. Decent mm. signing, that. I suppose Leo Cullen's staying as well and it's still his team. But this sort of Lancaster era, if we put it like that, Leinster losing three Champions Cup finals in five years and also not winning the URC in the last two, basically to they sacrificed that on the altar of the Champions Cup, which they then didn't win twice. Does that have to... I mean, I made a joke at the top about choking, but does that have to be viewed as a failure, regardless of the rugby Leinster have played and the way that they've transformed a lot of the attacking side of the game, not actually getting it done in these big games when a lot has gone yes, in their favour? Of course it does, Will, because if, if, if that had been Connaught or Munster and then they'd done exactly the same, it would be revo- it, it would be seen as a triumph because they almost did it. Mm. It is a categorical failure for Leinster, and any that they wouldn't they would surely say that themselves. Um, Nienaba um, has always been a parrot on the shoulder of uh, of Razi Erasmus rather than the coach. Uh, that seems to me an uh, very odd. Uh, and you know Leo is, has been a great lad. He took defeat brilliantly. Uh, in fact, he was alone in taking the defeat brilliantly, as far as the Leinster reaction was concerned. But I think now, no, they're not approaching a crossroads. I think they've come past the crossroads, and they're going to have to redo it because I don't think you can have Nienaba and Leo t- there together trying to merge into a coaching group. Mm. So I think probably if they do bounce back and make next year's final, it would be staggering but even more staggering if they won it. Stuart? Um, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think they choked. I, I wouldn't say that at all. I think that would be uh, um, almost an insult to Lara Shell. But I would say I thought that they were outthought and outfought. And I think that's the difference. And, and the outthought bit also, uh, you know, if Sexton had been there, he's not the perfect player, but he's one of the best we've seen for a long time. And I think Sexton would have tried to just manipulate things. Um, it asked questions about Ross Byrne. Uh, you can be an imitation of a, of a great player, but if Sexton gets injured at the World Cup, it's no good. An, an Islander struggling in scrums like they were at the weekend, then then you've got to have a player who's not an imitation, who's the real McCoy. Ireland got a problem at 10. And I thought in terms of being outthought, you know, Ronan O'Gara gives the best press conferences in front of television cameras and he gives them uh, after games. He, he's fascinating, but he's fascinating because he's a thinker on the game. And, and you know, at, I, I go back to that. You know, Ronan O'Gara was on the England shortlist of three. Mm. Uh, my views were very vocal at the time. And, you know, I, Steve Borthwick was a good, solid, sensible, typically English choice. But by God, if if you could have given me Robertson and O'Gara, <laughs> uh, I'd have taken that all day long. And I think that Saturday was another reminder of just what a, a, an accomplished... Uh, R- Ronan is now a better coach, director of rugby stroke coach than he was a fly half. And he was a magnificent fly half. And, and the magnificence of his game as a player was not built around speed or anything or, or big hitting tackling was built around brains. And it's great to see a brainy operator making the transition from being one of the best 
in the world in his position to being one of the best coaches. So I, I, it's to, funny, me, uh, to, to me, it's O'Gara's triumph with a, an amazing array of talented players. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't agree with you in terms of when he first started playing about his greatness as a, as a player, but I changed my mind when he kept on ringing me to complain. So I, decided, <laughs> I decided after that he was a great player. Um, <laughs> to make, make one more point, Will, about this game on Saturday. What, the reason probably why I loved it more than any other reason, and that is that these days we hear scrummaging, you must be uh, fit, not carrying any weight, you must be uh, dynamic in the loose, you must make all your tackles. So then you come up with really good rugby players like Ellis Genge and, and Carl Sinclair and other countries, you know, Thomas Francis and all these guys, they're all fit, they can run, but actually... La Rochelle looked like they've been on the pies up front <laughs> for about six years. They're absolutely gigantic, and the jerseys have to be extended to fit them. Uini Antonio was repl- the, the monster was replaced by Georges Henri uh, Colomb, who's even bigger. <laughs> now, actually, those guys can play a bit of rugby as well. They're not going to win the Olympic hundred meters. But they were unstoppable, and you can you can play all shapes and, and sizes. You can even make the likes of Antonio get around the field. But the important thing is, they stuck the finger in the scrums and the malls. They stuck the finger on Leinster, and Leinster squealed. So don't tell us any more about you have to be a sixteen stone rippling fit to play international rugby. You do not. It's all shapes and sizes, even at the top level. I want I, I want to give Steve a, a little bit of credit for once here. We were in our hotel uh, in Dublin having a bite of lunch and a, after a cup of coffee and we were chatting about the game. And we talked about Andrew Porter and, and Steve said to me then, so, it, you know, it's easy to say he struggled. It's easy to write that in hindsight. We were saying, Steve said, Porter looks to me like... Uh, a, a tight head just surviving on the other side. And that was proved to be true. I can recall saying to Steve, I had a a moment and I said, what's the name of that bloody Springbok World Cup winning tight head? And Jonesy, of course, obsessed with scrummages, said Franz Malherben. I said, yes, of course it's Malherben. And I've chatted to some of the most progressive and interesting English coaches. And they say, you know, oh, you know, Malherb, he's no good. All he does is scrummage. But... You have to be able to do your first job well. And if you're a prop, your first job is to scrummage and lift and the rest are bonuses. And you want the bonuses, but they're vital. Any position on the field, you've got to do your job right. And I go back to Ross Byrne. Ross Byrne's job is to dictate a game and to be able to just change it under pressure. And if you can't do that, it's it's no good being a 90% goal kicker. That's not enough. You've got to get those basics right. And... And fair dues to Jonesy, he he brought up the subject of Porter and Porter was all over the place. And he's a brilliant rugby player, by the Mm. way, but that ain't enough. And you think about it, Ireland have got South Africa in the World Cup. Mm. The box will have been watching that and going, hello, what we got here? And if Ireland play New Zealand, uh, it should be remembered that for all the errors New Zealand made in the last year and a half of the international rugby they're bringing back a very strong scrummage and the All Blacks will look at Ireland and thinking we can just tear the foundations from beneath their feet. And if you get your, if you get your foundations pulled away in a World Cup quarterfinal, you're out. 
Yeah, so Steve, I was going to, you've perfectly teed me up, Stuart, for that question. And on that, we like to look forward, don't we, in, in journalism and the, what the next thing is. So mm. the South Africans, are they just licking their lips now going, well, putting it fairly simply, they play a f- fairly similar style to La Rochelle. And I, I was speaking to some people over in South Africa when I was last there and they were saying well, South Africa's plan for Ireland is basically to smash them to bits and ruin the breakdown. So is are Ireland worried now? Are they looking at what happened to them t- in two finals and going... We've got South Africa in our pool, and that looks a bit horrible. That's a very interesting question, Will. That, that I've got two answers to that, really. First of all, yes, that's exactly what they will try and do. And as Stuart says, they'll be they'll be sort of slobbering all over the uh, the replays of the Heineken Cup final, and that is what they want. It's, it's very very odd though, because I've been looking around uh, the last few weeks uh, and and sort of speaking to people in the four representative nations of the rugby championship to see what their teams are. It is absolutely amazing how similar the, the, the South African and the New Zealand teams are going to be to the to what they were four years ago. Mm. So old Mal Herb will be, will be there. Malcolm Marx and Bongo will, Bongi will be up front. Uh, and Etzterbeth and, and Duyaga will be in the second row. So there is no... I don't think there's any doubt as to how the South Africans are going to play. And you're so right. I suppose it's a bit boring that we already know the tech, the tactical setup, and the technical setup of the Island South Africa game now, and I guess the team that that wins that game could be the team that comes out and does something that they're not expected to do. It's as simple as that. Yeah. The- but Malherb versus Porter is already well. I don't think it'll be Malherb against Porter because the Irish now uh, w- will be under emergency alert to find. A, 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 and, and boost up a new loose head. But that's where that game will almost certainly be decided. Yeah. Do you think they'll go... Do you, do you remember the Lions, Steve, in South Africa? And everyone was talking about the big English props, Roundtree and Leonard taking on the Springboks. And Telfer came up with one of the, the greatest tricks of his life when, at the last minute, we had the, relatively speaking, diminutive Wallace and Tom Smith. Yeah. Called into the test team and 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 they just they stopped South Africa getting into the other uh, scrummage position. Big old Ox Durant, Durant and all they had they had them all, didn't they? The Ox, the Ox had no one to no one to push against, and I just wonder because we've we've talked a lot, and and I think maybe Cullen and and and, and Lancaster were a little bit naive, but Farrell has shown himself not to be. Farrell has shown himself, you know. Yeah. I've been praising Ireland to the roofs and. This wasn't Ireland. It was the island, most of the island players, but it wasn't the island management. And and I think Farrell has shown himself able to think on the hoof now. And I think, in a way, he might be lucky because this might be the uh, red alert warning that says, just because we won a Grand Slam and just because Leinster play great rugby most of the time, we're going to get, we could get caught out here. And it, it might just be in terms of their scrummaging and in terms of who the cover for Sexton is that Farrell's thinking this is a late, late, late in the day lifetime. But he, he's smart enough to, to, to grab it, I think. Well, all of that is, is to come down the line. Before we move on to the Prem final and all the things that are coming next, we'd better just have a quick, very quick wrap up of the Challenge Cup and. Stuart, we've not only now had three French Champions Cup winners in a row, we've also had three French Challenge Cup winners in a row. Um, Toulon, Sergio Parise, Dan Big went off early. Disappointing from um, Glasgow that, but Toulon thoroughly deserved that on Friday night. 
Yeah, and, and Toulon aren't one. Toulon aren't one of France's better teams at the moment. It was just awesome to see someone like Charles Olivant, who is another contender for a world team. Things are still ticking along pretty nicely for France, despite that Toulouse loss in Dublin. What interested me again, uh, if you'd have said to me uh, Six Nations combination of the tournament, I might very well have said Tui Pilotu and and and, and Hugh Jones. And I think on Friday night, we saw the value of a fly half who understands how to read a game and manipulate space. They played outside Finn Russell, who's a master of just putting defenders where he wants them before he passes. Um, Miotti, the young Argentinian uh, backup fly half, just drifted where the pass took him. And it made it very easy for the powerful Toulon midfield to just smash Two blokes who had looked world beaters uh, for Scotland. So, great win for Toulon. You know, they had a horrible finals record in the Challenge Cup. Great win for them. Glasgow, massively disappointing. But what I would say is, that's what happens. That's the value of of a a great attacking fly half, the way he can make those outside him look so good. Well, Well, I just just thought that... uh... Glasgow, I really admire them because they've not got all the resources in the world, but they they've got real quite passionate support. And uh, I hope that what the, what was wrong there was that it was their first really big final, mm. and they will learn from it because they were so disappointed, so apparently lacking in passion. I'm sure they'll be kicking themselves throughout the season. So uh, if they learn from it, they can definitely come again. I think they're a decent club. With decent yeah. decent players, and just just finally about Toulon, I just loved I love Toulon, and always have done. But um, the Dan Bigger goes off after three minutes. The guy they bring on, the Italian West, hmm. dominated the, the the final last year when he was in La Rochelle colours. So even their reserves are good. Yeah, yeah. Well, from fly halves, you both tee me up nicely because the Premiership finals next. The the finals keep on coming and there's two pretty decent fly halves going against each other in that game as well. Owen Farrell, George Ford, we know all about those. But So next, why don't we talk about that and tee up the Gallagher Premiership final sale sharks against Saracens coming on Saturday. Right, guys. So, yes, as we said, the finals keep on coming. We've got Saracens, the top team in the league, against Sale, the second team in the league, both desperate to win the Premiership. Saracens haven't since 2019, and Sale haven't since 2006. Been ages for them. Never been in the final since then either. So, Steve, where do you think it's going to go? It's it's the final we've been predicting for a while, but can Sale have enough? Is there power enough to beat the attacking new attacking style of Saracens? It's funny. My my memory tells me that they were given no chance whatsoever in 2006 to beat Leicester, and they. They absolutely murdered them. Well, look, we all know uh, the Saracens are favourites. Saracens are just a little, uh, uh, slightly underpowered in their pack. I feel compared to a skeleton great, short. <laughs> they're great days. They, they're one skeleton short exactly, and have never replaced him. But how could you? But um, uh, I, I look, I think first of all, it's a great final because I think Saracens deserve to be in it. They they were still fuming over not playing well in the final last year mm-hmm. and have been ever since. And Mark McCall says it every week. I also think that Sale on their day, a, a real tough bunch of boys. I love Carpenter, the fullback, uh, Rafi Quirk and, and Gus Ward, two excellent scrum halves. I just think they're a great club. They've done brilliantly, coaches, players and, and the owner. And I think it will be closer than people think. 
I think it'll probably be like certainly less than 10 points. Uh, I, I do think Saracens will win it. I think it'll be a great final. But again, Will, you've got this thing that's tugging at you. And that is, it's been an excellent season uh, for a club rugby, professional club rugby, wherever you go, on the field. As soon as it gets on the field, it's great. As soon as it gets off the field, it's dire. Yeah. And there's no way that the... I think we're going to talk about London Irish in a minute. Mm. There is no way that we can still we can celebrate flat out when we've lost Wasps and Worcester and London Irish, as we speak, are also in danger. So it is a bizarre thing that the game's okay on the field, but the shocker off. Totally. And on, just on that note too, and it's slightly related in a way because it's off field, but... I just hope that there's actually a decent crowd at this game on the weekend that all the reports we're getting is that it probably won't be sold out. Um, And I guess that's possibly the reality of having two teams in the final that aren't the most well-supported and one of them the second furthest away from the national stadium. But yeah, I think each club gets about 5,000 tickets each and could request more, but that's a lot of other seats to fill with other fans, isn't it? And you just hope that we get beyond 50, 60, because otherwise it, it... just sums up a bit of a sad scene, doesn't it? It does. I would have thought 50, 55 would would be decent. You know, don't forget some of the some of the epics before have been when two great teams have met with two great sets of supporters, and also like there was one where I think Martin Johnson and Lawrence Delalio were both retiring, mm. that sort of thing. That that hasn't got this ring to it. We're very much in the foot hills of recovery in the premiership but 55,000 I think would be would be really good and then there's hope then will that actually it's a it's a classic game because this stage of the football season all the other sports have to be brilliant to get a look in so we need rugby to get a look in on Saturday yeah well talking about um classic finals we've got someone who played in one of those coming on the pod in a second Mark Cueto 2006 winner he will join us next on the ruck Right, so as promised, next on the pod, we're joined by Sail Sharks legend Mark Cueto, part of the last Sail team to win the title in 2006. Mark, it's been 17 years. It's been a while, hasn't it? Are you excited this week? It's crazy, isn't it? And I'm just so happy for the lads and, and, and the owners and just and Alex. Everyone, everyone's worked so hard. And I think I, I forget because it's been so much fun, really, being on the other side of the fence, not, not playing. Um, you forget how long Simon and Jed and Michelle have. It's been. I think this is the end of the seventh year. Mm. So you know, it's nearly been a decade, which is crazy, really, to think that they've, they've owned it for that long. And you know, so for for them, you know, to finally, yeah, to Twickenham, um, it's it's just brilliant. It's brilliant for everyone. Alex has only been at the club what two two and a bit seasons. You know, the impact that he he's had is, is enormous. I, I look at obviously the young back three that we've got, you know, Reedy, Roebuck and and um, and Carps, you know, all northern lads, you know, Beaumont, the Curries, you know, there's a real northern feel to the team, but equally chucking chucking some some sort of world class talent in, you know, whether it's the the Dupree's, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's obviously a strong South African uh, taste there. It is, it is the more you think about it that you know it's so similar to mm. sort of in terms of the makeup of the team and the squad it's so similar to that yeah. that squad that well, did it back in Steve uh, what what do you remember about that season yourself you would have covered it extensively that sale winning it oh i remember i remember it being first of all they weren't favorites 
But the longer the game went on, the better and better they became and rubbed it in at the end with a, a try from from deep. And yeah. uh, Chris Mayer. Fantastic. Sorry? That Chris try, Mayer, that's right. That, that try cost my brother-in-law a thousand quid. It was the it was the only guy. I remember coming off the pitch post-match and everyone's obviously buzzing. And we go up into the, the players about wherever everyone was meeting, family and friends, and everyone's high-fiving and hugging and kissing and crying. And I see, I see my brother-in-law and he's got a right face on him. And I'm like, <laughs> what's wrong with you, mate? And he had a he had a bet on the on the, the margin of, of win. Right. He bet that we'd win and it'd be within whatever. 15 points and and that that try took the score beyond his mind oh, brutal that, he was like where's, where's Chris Mayer he just caught me a thousand <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what Mark one of the guys I always admired for sale for years and never got the um, he never really got the kudos was Schofield he was absolutely <laughs> br- brilliant player for me and was better than a lot of people who won caps yeah, it's always one of my best mates, you know, and we've been mates for 20 plus years now. It's mad. And, you know, we played amateur rugby. We, he was playing for all Winnings when I was playing for Alton Kersel when we were sort of coming through the ranks, as it were. We spent, as with a lot of that that group mentioned before, sort of Charlie Hodgson, myself, Scoey, Chris Jones, Andy Titrell, um, you know, there was, I probably missed a couple there as well. There was, a, there was five or six of us that, all came through what you know what was the academy then, but all played, all played, you know, for sale for ten years together. Pretty much everyone played for England, and you know, a lot, a lot of us got on that Lions tour in 05 as well. Mm-hmm. My first season was a one, and I think the season before we'd 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 finished ninth in the league or tenth in the league. That for, that following season, we finished second in the league. There was no playoff. Sound make yourself sound old again. There was no playoffs. But we finished second in the league, and I think we won the Parker Penn Shield. You know the old like Challenge Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the first piece of silverware in the club's history, I think. And you know, we went on to. I think we won. We won that again, and then we won the the the, the Challenge Cup, and then we won the Premiership. So, you know, we we had a real from sort of 01 through to 06 was was a crazy time, crazy good, successful time for the for the club. You know, like I said, pe- people went mad in two thousand and what? Whatever. What are we in now? Twenty. The last. You know, the last. The last Lions tour when Sammy's had six players. Everyone's great. Oh my god! How can one club have you know so many players? You know, Sailor. Like I said, Sailor five or six on that Lions tour. No, you know, five. I think I can't remember the final score, but we scored forty odd points. Forty-five now, twenty. It was yeah. To score 45 points in a final of anything, let alone the Premiership, is is crazy, right? Yeah. You know, what I don't know if it's, well, obviously, we've all watched the game at the weekend. Like, it was a ridiculous game. But, you know, you, you rarely see more than 20, 20, 25 points, you know, wins a game in a, in a, in a final. So for us to put, you boys know better than me, but just off the top of my head, thinking out loud, I, I bet there isn't a team scored more. Than, than 45 points in a, in a premiership final no, in the history of the game. So, you know, I think we 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 probably enjoyed the underdog. I think most most team most teams that I've well certainly sale have always enjoyed that underdog title. I think um, I think Mark that that that's the point though, isn't it? Sometimes 
it, it was just the history and Leicester are a big club. I mean, I, obviously I was working at Sky at the time and it was inconceivable to me why people were saying Leicester are the favourites. I, I yeah. fully thought you would you would win it and win well. And that's that's not hindsight, but you had the players in the big positions and you'd been better than them yeah. in the season. But I, that brings you to this one. Are you concerned? Because Saracens have been the best English team all season. They finished top of the league like you did all those years ago. Yeah. And, and they have looked probably overall the team to beat. Yeah, no, I agree, Barnes. I think I, think, um, I watched... Obviously, come this end of the season, you you watch the games a bit closer. And I watched that Stabby semi-final against Saints. and I, They were absolutely frighteningly good first half. Now, I don't know, take nothing away from Saints, but I don't know if it was because Saints were a little bit off the pace or if they were off the pace because Savage was so good. And Owen Farrell, mate, I don't know. He's just he's a freak of nature, isn't he? One thing I would say is, is funny because I sort of take the mick out of Robbo the year we won the league, including the playoffs, I was sales top try scorer with four tries. Right, previous seasons we you'd score 14, 15, 16 tries. Now I scored four tries that season, and one of them was in that in that final. Robbo scored more drop goals than he did tries that season. <laughs> so it shows that we had a really basic, efficient sort of game plan. Obviously, you know, do, do you want to score 15 tries or do you want to score 20 tries and come third in the league or do you want to score three tries and win it? Mm. it, it it's a simple question. It's a simple answer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're constant. And, I, and I think back to when England won the, won the World Cup in 03. Yeah, they were scoring some decent tries like, you know, Benny Cohen, Josh, Robbo, Walsh, Dan Luger. They were all scoring tries, but they... They, they weren't, I know there wasn't a bonus point then, but if there was, they weren't winning games with bonus points every every match. But when you get success, I've sort of gone off, off point a little bit, but nobody cares about style and entertainment and, you know, flowing rugby. If you win stuff, all you remember is winning stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's where we can end, end it, maybe, Mark, because that, that's the, the key for the weekend, isn't it, to actually get over the line yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, an amazing final we've taken loads of your time so I really appreciate you coming on are you getting down there are you going to be at Twitter? I'll be there I'm taking the family again the, the, awesome. the boys, boys can't wait there's going to be loads of people there so I think we've got a game on our hands I think it, it'd be fair to say that obviously Saracen's are favourites but that said I think we've, we've got a pack that can that can match at least match if not edge Saris and that's when you know when you know you can get in a game then because of the, I don't think there's really another, another team in the Premiership that can do that and mm. that's why dominant the game never changes so let's hope let's hope that we turn up and you know you, you never know you never know it's a final anything can happen yeah. look at that game after 10 minutes, would you have put your money on Larry Shell winning that yeah, game? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, all the best to Sale Sharks and Saris, but we've been chatting to you, so we'll, we'll leave it with Sale this time. But really appreciate you coming on the pod, Mark, and enjoy your trip down. And I can imagine you and Andy Farrell over your Fortnum and Mason hamper in the West Car Park, right? <laughs> Unlikely. It'll be good. There's one person I wouldn't back. There's not many that I wouldn't back myself against, but I wouldn't back myself against Big Star. <laughs> awesome, Mark. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate your invite. Yeah, cheers.
As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, so as promised, our last guest on the rock is Adam Radwan. And Adam is set for quite an exciting week because he's part of the Barbarians team that's taking on the World 15 this weekend. Adam, that sounds a bit of fun, doesn't it? What's your week looking like? Yeah. Is there not much training, quite a lot of drinking? Have you had the schedule through? <laughs> uh, I haven't actually had the schedule through yet, so I don't know. I think I don't know what, to, what the kind of plans and the schedule will entail, but it's definitely going to be... Um, like a week to remember and it's definitely going to be, be really fun and I'm just really excited for it to be honest I'm, I think it'll be brilliant I'm really looking forward to it Yeah so looking at I've got the squad in front of me what names leapt out of you when you thought I'm going to share a pitch with these sort of guys Alan Wynne-Jones Stephen Luatua Rob Simmons yeah. Aaron Wainwright who else Karevi are you going to get yeah, the ball? Yeah <laughs> there's, 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 I think there's so many it would be I probably couldn't pull out one or two like it, there's all those guys you mentioned I think the back line's also uh, amazing I feel like incredibly lucky and excited to be part of, of that team and to kind of share the pitch with them guys it's a massive honour as well yeah so one of your last experience at Twickenham was pretty good wasn't it hat trick wasn't it for England a yeah, couple of summers um, well, ago yeah yeah that was I think that was my obviously my debut and then I played again against Tonga uh, and scored again, um, but yeah, yeah, I think all my, I think I've played there twice, and I've, I've absolutely loved both times. So really looking forward to being down there again. I think the crowd will be brilliant, and um, yeah, I'm just really excited. I think looking at their team as well, it's going to be a pretty nuts game. I like think their team's team's pretty crazy. So I'm just yeah. like I said, I'm kind of just excited to be to be part of it. So for those that don't know, the World 15 backline has a combo Adam Hastings Israel Folau Marika Kurabeti Nal Marpe Sabu Nkosi Reese Patra Nick Phipps Charles Piatau Semi Radraja there's, there's quite a lot of big hitting Polynesian lads in that aren't there Adam? Yeah it's a it's a you know it's a star studied backline and I think it's like I said I'm just excited I think you know it's the reason you play the game is to play with and against the guys in, in the Barbarians team and the, the World 15 team so it's it's ultimately why like you want to play with and against the best. So I think it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. And so what happens for you this week? You're heading down to to London, to the the big lights of London in tomorrow, are you? And then you just get straight on the beers? How does it, how does it work? 
Honestly, I have no idea. I, I, all I know at the minute is that I'm heading to to London tomorrow. I I don't know what what tomorrow's going to entail. I'm kind of going going there, not knowing what to expect. Uh, I I need I still need to pack. So I'll pack pack for all occasions. Shoes for the nightclub. <laughs> pack pack for all um, for for everything really. So yeah. I don't I don't know what what it's going to entail. I'm looking forward to. To kind of meeting everyone and seeing the schedule and obviously having um just like the socialising and stuff, it'll be it'll be really good crack. Absolutely, yeah. And I know it's an exhibition game and a bit of fun, but is there a challenge too with things coming on the horizon, the World Cups and all that, to to put yourself back in the in the frame for that sort of thing? Do you want to put on a decent performance in a big stadium against some decent players and show what you can do at that sort of top level? Yeah, of course, of course. It's like I said, it's like an exhibition game, but it's ultimately I think all those guys are are, are extremely competitive, and everyone yeah. will want to want to do well and want to win. And yeah, I'm no different. I think it's it's an opportunity for me to 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 um to, you know ultimately I'm trying to get get back in in the England side and involved with that stuff. So um, this is obviously a great opportunity for that. Yeah, have you had many? chats with Steve I know you weren't in the in the recent Six Nations squad but have you had a shout about what could happen in the summer potentially yet it's been a little bit of chat I think obviously nice. I've spoke spoke a little bit with um, the some of the S&C guys there um, I, I'm, I know what I, what I need to do to get back in the team I haven't really spoke to Steve um, but I think you know ultimately there's I'm pretty aware of what what I need to do to get back in in there, and I'm confident that you know over time I, I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, a couple of tries at Twickenham on the weekend against a decent opposition will help, won't it? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that's that's the plan. Awesome. Well, look, really appreciate you coming on the pod, Adam. And for anyone who wants to go to the game on Sunday, there's still tickets available. So go and have a look. It'll be a great day out on Sunday. Usually England bar bars that weekend, but this time the World 15 coming. Coached by Steve Hansen. Eddie Jones is doing the bar bars and Adam's going to be in the team. So what more could you want, right? Yeah, it's, I think for for a neutral, I think it's going to be absolutely brilliant. I think uh, my family are going to make the trip down, uh, a couple of friends. Perfect. I think it, it'll just be a, be a great atmosphere. It'll be a load of fun and um, I'm looking forward to it. Happy days. Well, really appreciate you coming on the pod, Adam, and, and all the best. Enjoy whatever comes this week. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Um, uh, yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Perfect. Really appreciate that, Adam. Enjoy it and speak to you soon. I will do. Cheers. Right, everyone, so packed ruck this week and we had so much fun with Mark Quater that Steve Jones has had to disappear, but we'll get, Stuart, your God or Goddess nomination of the week uh, in a second and I'll do mine. But we first, as we like to cover some news on this podcast, just flag the situation uh, which we talked about at the top of the show about London Irish. So... Just to sum it up for all you listeners, um, and you should keep yourselves updated across the times over the week because there's going to be more to come on this, but essentially the RFU have given London Irish a deadline of May the 30th, so next Tuesday, to either show that their current owner Mick Crossan is prepared to fund the team for the full 23-24 season or the American Consortium has taken over the club, it's been completed and ratified and they can fund Irish next year. Um, If they can sort that by close of play next um, Tuesday and then that's fine but if they can't they'll be kicked out of the league and it's likely that the winding up process will start and to be honest there's precious little hope around the game that this will end well with six days 
of working days left. The paydays on Friday, they've got then two working days to prove their viability. Um, the wage bill's around 500 grand a month, we, we understand. So there's a lot of money that needs to change hands very quickly. So as we teed up at the top of the show, could be another dark week in rugby, having had such a good one of on the field, off the field is retains its chaos, doesn't it? But so that's that's that covered off, and let's hope there's a positive resolution. But it doesn't look likely. I'm af- I'm afraid to say. Next Tuesday, next Monday, we will talk it all through when we do our last part of the season to round it all off. But for now, should we try and end on a positive note and pick a, a pick God of the week, Stuart? Where are you going to go for yours? I am. I think the Atlantic Coast. Um, pretty obvious place. Um, Ronan O'Gara was a, a strong contender. Um, but I'm a great believer that, you know, players are the ones who deserve the ultimate uh, glory. And Gregory Aldrich's going to be my God of the Week. And mm. I know he was awarded man of the match. He's one of these blokes who seems to get it no matter uh, how influential or not on the pitch. He, he's, he's a very popular pick. But for me, the way in which he led this team, um, the cool, calm composure when their world was falling apart and he was pulling them in and just saying, hey, we can do this. And what he was saying at half time about we were serene, we believed, mm. we trusted ourselves. I thought it was a, a wonderful example of leadership. Here's a bloke who, if you want him to lead by example, will carry 30 times for 100 metres. He can do that. But I think on Saturday, it was even more important that whilst all hell was raging around him, he maintained that cool composure and serenity. So my God of the Week is Gregory Aldrich. Yeah, fine nomination. And as you didn't go for him, I will. Uh, Ronan Nagara, I mean, back-to-back Champions Cups. That's not to be sniffed at in the slightest. And doing a number on the same team three years in a row, the bogeymen he's created over in La Rochelle. Extraordinary effort and... Let's hope he holds up his end of the bargain because I think he said after the game that he's going to be drinking till Friday. I think they've got Stade Francais next Saturday, so that might be a few hangovers in that coaching box. But Ron Nagara, he's my God of the Week. And, I mean, all the kings in La Rochelle, they could all be gods, couldn't they? But amazing effort. Well, we've packed loads into that pod today. I hope you enjoyed it. We've had Stuart Barnes on. We've had Stephen Jones on. We've had Mark Quato. We've had Adam Rabwan. We've capped off a bit of London Irish Champions Cup, Challenge Cup. Premiership final, everything else. So there's loads going on. There's one more pod to go for the season. We'll review the Premiership final and then we might have a little break and come back for World Cup, which is roaring around the corner. But for now, that has been The Ruck from The Times and The Sunday Times. Follow and subscribe, tell all your friends and join us for one more lap around the island next week. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or 
anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rustolium.